This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Since the day she gave me that coveted final rose, my wife, Trista Sutter, has made me a better person. If she can get me to know better, to do better, and to just all around be better, then I'm sure she can do it for you too. You're listening to Better Etc. with my wife and your host, Trista Sutter. Hey everybody, this is Trista, and you're listening to episode 25 of the Better Etc. podcast. Welcome. I wanted to let everyone know today, before I get into the intro and then my Trista's takes for the week, that this episode does contain discussions about assault and about sexual assault in particular. So if you are a survivor of either, this episode could be triggering. So I just wanted to give everyone out there a warning. This episode also is not appropriate for children. Please listen to it first, and then if you would like to share anything with your children from the episode, children who are, of course, of appropriate age, then of course you're welcome to do that. I actually encourage it because a lot of what we discuss in here is how to keep our kids safe. Okay, so my guest today is Robin Warner. She is using an incident that happened when she was 18 years old. As I mentioned, she was assaulted as she was running in broad daylight in Utah at a very well, well utilized trail and also sexually assaulted. I think that her attacker had plans to keep her as a sex slave. So it's definitely a heavy conversation. But out of that attack out of that struggle, out of this really, really difficult moment in her life. She has turned it into such power. She actually looks at it as a blessing because, as you'll hear, she had many, many moments of intuition that were kicking in. And those moments never told her to not go to where she was attacked. They told her other things, but we talked about how everything happens for a reason. At least I believe that. And, and she believes that and how it helped create a path where she is sharing her story and helping women and children, even men, to be able to be prepared and not scared. That's kind of the saying that goes with her business. It's called safe and she will be explaining it in detail, but it's all about self-defense. I'm just so excited to share it with you all. In fact, we had such a great conversation and there is so much information included in this episode that I believe can help people and allow people to have better lives because they will be better prepared and hopefully be able to fend off an attacker if ever put in that horrible position. So there is so much incredible information that I 
decided to break this up into two different episodes. So in the first episode, you'll hear a lot of her story. And we talk about how it affects her today, what she's been up to. And then we go into self-defense and so many great tips that are incredibly practical tools that you can take and use and be better prepared. All of us can, even if you're 12 years old. I'm going to teach my daughter. I'm actually going to do her course with my daughter and hopefully some friends and their daughters. So there I go using those filler words. <laughs> Riaz, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> that was my, my guess last week. But anyway, we have a great conversation. So I hope that you will share it with anyone that you feel could utilize it. Really, all of us could utilize it. Even just the talk that we have about awareness. So thank you to Robin. She's a mom. She is a business owner. She was in the dance world. She calls herself the world's biggest goof off. And if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see why. She's just so, so much fun. I actually would love to meet her in person, hopefully maybe one day soon. Okay, on to Trista's takes for the week. So if you follow along with Bachelor Nation, which I know a lot of you do, including me, this week or the week before last week was a big one. Colton Underwood did an interview on Good Morning America and Nightline with Robin Roberts. And I have to say, I think she was the perfect person for this interview. She is one of my all-time favorite journalists and has such a compassionate ear. She's so welcoming and she's been through this. Anyway, she interviewed Colton and he came out as gay. Now, to say that I was shocked is a true statement. I was I was shocked. I mean, I have seen Cassie and Colton. I have met them. They seemed so happy and so in love. And just because he's gay or he is ready to live his truth as a gay man doesn't mean that he wasn't in love with Cassie. I don't want to take away from that. I loved their relationship and I was rooting for them as I root for pretty much every couple who comes out of the show being, you know, the fairy godmother and all. <laughs> anyway, it was very sad to me that he talked about how much he hated himself, how long he has hated himself, how he would have rather died than say he was gay, how he thanked God for the opportunity of The Bachelor because that would make him straight. He would be able to meet a woman and fall in love and have babies and all the things that make a quote-unquote normal relationship. And it's just so sad to me that it took him this long. He was so fearful of living his truth that he lied to himself for years and years and years and years. And oh, what power there is in being able to be true to who you are at the core. I'm just so proud of him for coming out in such a public way and for finally revealing his truth and finally being brave enough to live his truth. He did talk about how he attempted suicide and how he had planned not to wake up one morning and he ended up waking up and that was his wake-up call. He told his family, his friends, and I, I'm just so happy for him that he has such a strong support system. I mean, he said that when he told his dad, his first reaction was, I wish you would have told me sooner. 
And right after that, he said, how can I help you? Who can I tell for you to make it easier? And that's a good dad. A dad who loves unconditionally and is there for his child. I'm just so happy for Colton that he has people like his dad in his life. And and he can move forward with that support. I do have to say that I feel horrible for Cassie in finding out the way that she did. I don't believe that Colton was able to or attempted. I don't know how that all went down, but Cassie didn't know that he was gay until this interview came out. At least that's what people is reporting, People Magazine. So I would love to send out a virtual hug to Cassie because I'm sure that was hard, you know, hearing that the man that she committed to and wanted to create a future with is someone other than who she fell in love with. Truly, he is the same person, of course, but he wasn't able to share his full truth with her, and that's got to be hard. I know that people are saying, or, or some people have said, who knows who, I don't follow along with everything, but that him being the bachelor was misleading to a lot of people. And I believe in watching the interview, I watched both of them on Good Morning America and then on Nightline, they were pretty much the same with a few differences, but I watched both of them and he came across as incredibly sincere to me. And and whenever I met him or have communicated with him, he's always come across as sincere. I mean, he's from Colorado. Come on. I, I truly believe that he was being sincere in this interview and that he is so sorry for misleading anyone. He is so sorry for hurting anyone. I know that's part of it. That's the difficult part is, is facing that because you have to face how you've affected other people's lives. And there were a lot of people's lives who were affected. I want to believe that most of the people who were on The Bachelor had positive things come out of it. I mean, look at Tasha. She was on the show and she is now, you know, happily engaged and she was just nominated for an MTV award. I mean, how cool is that for best reality show? The Bachelorette, go Bachelorettes. Great job, Tasha. Anyway, so Tasha's path may not have led her to The Bachelorette or to the love of her life had she not been on Colton's season. Hannah Brown became The Bachelorette and she has gone on to do incredible things as well. There's so many girls on that show who made lifelong friends, uh, I'm sure created careers maybe after the show or realized what they wanted to do with their life. So I try to look at the positive and I truly do believe as, as I've said in, in past episodes that everything happens for a reason. And I think that even though the women who were on The Bachelor may see him coming out as gay as wasting their time, but I don't think they should. There's a quote out there that says something about without darkness, you can't see the stars. And so it just talks to how if you didn't have the struggles that you go through in life and you didn't have those moments of imperfection, then you wouldn't be able to find the light and you wouldn't be able to find your true 
path, your true love, if you will, when it comes to The Bachelor. So that's how I like to look at it. My heart goes out to Cassie because I'm sure this is really difficult for her to process. But maybe it makes sense because they did have a pretty tumultuous year or so with a restraining order and, you know, a lot of ups and downs. So maybe this helps her to be able to make sense of why they struggled. I don't know, but my heart goes out to her. And of course, my heart goes out to Colton. I'm just so proud of him for finally living his truth. And for anyone out there who is struggling with suicide, as I talked about in terms of what he struggled with, please, if you need help, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Okay, so that's it for Trista's Takes and my intro. I, as usual, would love for you to go to wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether it's Spotify or Google or wherever, and give us a subscribe and five stars, and then please consider writing a review of any episodes that have touched you, any guests that have touched you, any information that we've shared that has been particularly useful or practical. I would love to hear about it. And now on to the episode with Robin. Before we get into the conversation, I'm going to take a second to talk about our amazing sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to talk to my next guest. I actually really love her Instagram handle, the fly on my wall, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Isn't it <laughs> kind of random, but you can't forget it, right? It's perfect. I, I feel like all people in reality TV, like I can't believe no one from reality television didn't come up with that first. Like I love the Instagram handle. I found her because I was, you know, doing the scroll through the for you button on Instagram. And this video popped up where she was describing something that happened to her. And I could not stop watching. I was drawn into the way that she was sharing and being vulnerable and the path that she has taken since then. So everyone, I know you can't join me in welcoming her, but please welcome Robin Warner. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. As I said, I when I clicked on your video and you were you were talking about the attack and I just couldn't turn away. And then you talked about self-defense and I thought, this is exactly the kind of content that I would like to put out there to help make people's lives better. And I feel like it's a very practical way that we can help people make lives better. And hopefully, if they hear this and hear you, hear your story, hear your impact, take your course, listen to your tips, what happened to you won't happen to other people. Yes, 
that's the goal is that I can help other women be prepared and not scared and learn how to become aware and confident and empowered to keep them and their family safe. Yes. Bingo. And, <laughs> and so this month is sexual assault awareness and prevention month. Okay. So even more so this conversation is perfect and very timely yes. because we want to spread awareness in order to prevent sexual assault. Yes. Period. Exactly. Yes. I'd like to get started and I know you're very open about sharing what happened to you. But if there's ever a yes. moment where you don't feel comfortable, you just give me the word and you know, we can move in a different direction. So just know that you're in a safe place. But I would love for you to share your story because that's how I was so drawn into connecting to you and wanting you to come on the podcast. Well, I would love to. So it all started out uh, a nice warm February day in 2008. I was a freshman at college. I was attending Southern Utah University and I was loving school. I was dancing on the college dance team and I was doing my prereqs for dental hygiene. I was doing really well in school and I loved living on my own and I liked to run. And we also had to run um, as part of our exercise for the dance team. And I had actually never ran alone up until this moment. I came from a very safety conscious mother. She mm -hmm. always taught us, you know, lock your doors, don't run alone. And even more so on the paranoid side. Like, so I was the person who never had ran alone. And I asked if she would come with me. And she said, yes, let's meet home at noon. Noon came around and something had come up and she was like, I can't come anymore. And I was like, you know what? I just moved out of my mom's house. I'm independent. I'm in Utah. It was like the safest place in Utah. It's the middle of the day. I'm going to be fine. People run by themselves all the time. Yeah. So I got ready to walk out on the trail and I was planning on running on a trail that is totally popular. Like I had been there multiple times before I felt safe there. Mm -hmm. It paved walking trail. It went through the city and then the last couple of miles, it would kind of went up into the Canyon and in between the paved road, the paved trail was a little, a little river. And then it went up onto the main highway. So main cars can see you. Like I said, it was new. It wasn't overgrown. I felt safe there. There's lots of other places here in Utah. I would never, and still never would run alone because I hear of a ton of people getting hurt there. There's always a problem, but this place was a safe place for me. So I walked there and I started running and I remember realizing I had forgotten my cell phone and I was like, Oh crap. I, that's how I listen to music. I better go home and get that. But I was like, no, I don't have time. Let's just keep running. So I kept running. And again, I had this very strong impression, go home and get your cell phone. Mm. And it came so many times that it stopped me in my tracks. And it was like, go home and get your cell phone. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I turned around, walked back home all the while. I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm like, I wonder if I just, this cute boy that I've been texting wanted to text me. Like I didn't realize that it was the spirit or intuition or whatever you like to call it. Something was, you know, prepping me for a big moment coming up. So I got back to my house, grabbed my phone off my bed. The cute boy that I 
had been texting earlier, had texted me. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I got my phone. I almost didn't even go back running because it had been about a half hour now, but I was like, no, I better get my miles in. Yeah. So I headed back out to the trail. And when I got there the second time, it didn't feel the same. I felt like anxious Hmm. and worried. And I was like, I don't think I should be here. But again, you know, logic is like, you're, you're good. You're fine. It's the middle of the day. There's people on the trail. Don't worry about it. But my intuition was like, no, this is not good. Something's going to happen. So I had this really distinct thought that a wild horse was going to run down and trample me. And the reason I thought that was because the week before I was with my roommates and wild horses had ran down. Holy cow. Yeah. And I kept being like, Robin, what would happen if a horse came? Mm -hmm. Like, what would you do? And so I was just, I had this weird feeling something was going to happen. And I was like, the horse, this horse is going to trample me or something. I don't know. It's the craziest thing. So I kept running and I came around the corner and I saw something coming super quickly at me. And I thought it was a horse. So I jumped into the bushes. It was just a kid on a longboard and he got off his longboard because I'm laying in the bushes and he's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, whoa, yeah, sorry. I don't know why I'm laying here. Like that was weird. I'm so embarrassed. There's like dirt in my hair, leaves in my hair. And he's like, let me help you up. And he's like, what's your name? So exchange names. His name was Casey. I'm Robin. He's like, one more time. Are you sure you're good? I'm like, yeah, totally. I don't know why I laid in the, that was weird. Bye. Like so embarrassed. <laughs> and I watched him get in his car and drive away because there was like little parks along the trail and we were close to a park. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Robin, you are embarrassing. Pull yourself together. Like you're so paranoid. You know, like why? why are you acting like this? So I keep keep running and I notice that there's, you know, still people on the trail, but definitely less and less. And I come up a mile or two up and I come around the corner and I see this guy walking down the trail and he's pretty far ahead of me. But instantly I was like, Oh, something's wrong Mm. because it's outside. And he was wearing a coat, a beanie, a big backpack, cargo pants. And I'm like sweating to death. Like it's hot outside. Yeah. And I'm like, he doesn't look like he's exercising. He's not dressed for the occasion. Like this guy's out of place Hmm. and he's coming down the trail. I'm going up the trail. And as we're getting closer, my intuition is like, something's going to happen. Like this dude is dangerous, but logic is like, no, he's fine. There's people like around the corner. You're freaking yourself out. So we get closer. And as I pass him, I look over at him and I look into his eyes and my heart just dropped. They say you can like see a man's soul through his eyes. I literally, it just was like clear as day. It was like, this man is dangerous and something's about to happen. And again, this is all happening so fast. So I'm headed up the trail. He's headed down. So I rip my earphones out of my ears and I turn around to see what he's doing. And he had flipped around and was now walking up the trail. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's, he's following me. And so I start running a little faster and I turn back around and he's jogging and I'm like, oh, is he following me? But then Mm. like logic is like, no, it's a running trail. You're good. It's the middle of the day. There's people all around, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I'm like having this battle between intuition and logic and it's all happening so fast. So I come around the corner and there's the end of the trail. It just kind of ends. And I didn't know what to do. So I flip around and I, I could either go down into the river, which is like a 15 foot drop into the river mm. or to the left was just like woods. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to run back down the trail and, and I've just freaked myself out. It's going to be fine. I'm going to run straight past him. No worries. 
and he's just standing like 20 feet down the trail the trail he has both his hands in his pocket and he's just looking up at me and he's laughing and i'm kind of like oh you just gave me the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah and i can't i'm like trying not to look at him i'm like what in the heck is this guy doing like Mm -hmm. it was just all happening so fast and i was like what is happening and so I get ready to start running and I have a feeling to call 911. Mm. And I'm like, oh, call my mom's always told me like, you don't call 911 unless you're dead. You know how yeah. it's so dramatic you don't call it. And I was like, what would I say? I'm nervous. I think a guy's following me, but I was like, no, you have to call it right now. So I dial 911 and I just run as fast as I can towards him. And I, right when I get past him, I'm thinking like he lets me get just enough past that I like, have that moment of relief, like I'm in the clear. And then all of a sudden he just grabs me by the neck and just clotheslines me to the floor. And I land smack on my back and my phone flies out and I'm in complete shock. You know, they always talk about fight or flight, Mm -hmm. but there's a third one. It's freeze. 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 Yeah. Fight, flight, or freeze. And I for sure froze. I don't know how long it could have been 10 seconds. It could have been two seconds. Could have been a minute. I, I can't recall how long, but I, froze. I was in sheer panic. I couldn't believe this was happening. And at whatever point it was, I unfroze. And I had some tools that I learned when I was 12 years old in a basic Mm self-defense discussion. And when I heard those, it was like in a church activity. I was like, I looked at my friend Mackenzie and I was like, this will never happen to us. And like, I didn't even think that I like listened to the lady and she, she had some tips. Well, after I froze, her voice came into my head and it was like, yell your name and your location. So I started screaming, Robin Williams, Canyon Trail, I'm being raped. Robin Williams, Canyon Trail, I'm being raped. I didn't know if 911 had picked up, but I knew there was people down the road and I knew that someone would probably be able to hear me. Mm. So I started screaming my name and my location and the man picked me up and started dragging me through the woods. And this lady's voice comes to my head again and says, never leave the location you're attacked. Right. And so I'm like, I can't leave. So I kick and I arch and I spit and I throw dirt in his eyes and I, and he's holding me and I'm just flopping like a fish, like doing anything I can so he can put me back on, back on the floor. And I was successful. He couldn't, he couldn't take me too far. We only got about 10 feet off the trail and I was struggling for so long trying to get away versus fighting back. And those are two different things that I teach women. And I would stand up and he would pull my ponytail back to the floor. Or I would stand up and he'd punch me in the face. And I just, he was twice my size. He was a 230 pound man, six, two, he was huge. Mm-hmm. And I was a college girl. And I, I really, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was trying my hardest. I was putting up a good fight, but I, I couldn't get away. And he kept trying to get his backpack. And I remember like he would make it a point to hold me down and like try to unzip his backpack with one hand. And I kept being like, whatever's in there, like that, that is not good. So I would like kick it or like throw it or like, you know, we were just rolling around everywhere. And I was like, don't get in that backpack. Well, there came a point where he was on top of me. He had just sexually assaulted me and I was no longer able to move. He was strangling me with one hand and I started losing consciousness. And I remember like starting to fade out and kind of black out. And I kept just thinking clear as day. I hope my parents find my body. Mm. I hope my parents find my body. Cause I was convinced like he was going to kill me mm. and he was able to get in his bag and he pulled out a knife and he held it to my throat and he was pushing it, like trying to slit my throat. And I grabbed both hands and I was pushing it away as 
like as hard as I could. And I just remember saying a quick prayer and I said, heavenly father, please help me. I don't know what to do. And instantly I just felt I had clear as day, like go for his groin. Mm-hmm. And as a year old girl who had never seen a groin or touched a groin, I was like, no, but it was like, that is your lifeline. You need to go for his groin. So I went for it. I don't know what I did. Grabbed, twist, pulled, who knows? But I, I, I went for it. He let go of my throat. I was able to sit up and I went for his eyes and I stuck my finger right into his eyes and scratched as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And then I stood up and I, he, he was on the ground at that point and I stood up and got ready to run and he grabbed my hand one last time. And I, I knew I was like, this is my last shot. Like I am like bloody and bruised and beaten and I have no more energy. Like I, this is my last shot. And he grabbed me and tried to pull me back down. And I flipped around and I fish hooked him. I stuck my two fingers in his cheek and just pulled as hard as I could. And that was actually what got him to let go of me. And he threw himself to the floor, you know, on his face. And I ran as fast as I could down the trail. And I, I got down the trail and there was Casey, the kid mm. that I had seen in now drive in his car, leave the scene. And Casey was a bigger, bulky dude. And he's yelling, Robin, stop. And I was like, there's two of them. Right. Like he's here to attack me. He, he left there. They've worked this plot. Oh my gosh. Like, and I go in sheer panic, like, Oh no. And I'm starting to back up. Meanwhile, my attacker is still chasing after me. Hmm. And he's like, I'm not here to hurt you. And I said, if you're here to help me throw me your phone. Hmm. So he throws the phone. I call 911. They had heard everything. They were only five minutes away. Oh, wow. It was a canyon trail. And so they had people on foot running up. They had cars on the trail, but there was people on the trail. So they had to push people out of the way. They couldn't, you know, drive super fast. And they, they were almost there. So I met up with them, went in the ambulance, and they were able to um, locate my attacker, Casey, the guy who, you know, came back. He had gone all the way into town was sitting down for lunch and had a feeling to go back up the canyon for another long board ride. And his fiance was like, absolutely not. If you go back up there, I'm like, she threw a big, huge fit. And he's like, I don't know why, but I need to go back up there. And he went back up there. And because he came back up, like he was able to show the police where my attacker was hiding. Cause at that point he started hiding in, in the woods. They got him. He had just been out of prison. He had no money. He had everything premeditated. He gave a full confession that his plan was to rape me, keep me as a sex slave for eight to nine months, and then kill me and bury me in the mountains. In his bags, he had shoelaces tied together that he told the judge as cold, cold as stone as you would tell your mother you love them. Like, I was going to tie her up with these shoelaces, make it a noose. He had Halloween masks that he said he was going to try to put them on before this happened so his identity would be, you know, no one would know who he was. It was bizarre. So anyways, he got, he got sentenced 15 years to life in mm-hmm. prison. Mm-hmm. He's been there for 12 years now. And after that, I just dove into self-defense. I wanted to learn everything about it. I wanted to learn how to empower myself, how to empower others. And that's just kind of kickstarted my journey. And I've just been teaching self-defense and awareness for the past 13 years. Whoa. It was crazy. Do you ever, I know you've told this story a lot. Does it get emotional telling it? Are you able to like 
recount that day and disconnect from it, knowing that you're you're safe, you're loved, you have a beautiful family, you know, you lived, you were able to escape, you know, how, how do you feel today telling that story? So I feel really empowered telling the story. So I, I get to share my story really often, which I feel grateful for because in sharing my story, that's actually been a really large part of my healing process, Mm -hmm. but I actually had kind of a full circle moment just a few hours ago. I met back in Cedar City where this took place and I got to sit in a room with 10 of the police officers who were there and they each gave their account of that day. And that was really emotional. All of us were crying and and so it definitely feels emotional at times. Yeah. I think I already got all my tears out today. So I was able to get through it without quivering. But for the most part, I'm I'm good to tell it, but um it's it's been pretty crazy, especially after that video that you saw. Cause I, I share my story all all the time. Like my platform is about self-defense and awareness. Mm. And for whatever reason, that particular version of my story kind of went viral, which is funny because like it's like these rainbow filters and it's like been seen a million times. And I'm like, if I would have known, I would have like done my hair or brushed my <laughs> teeth or something. But because that video got so widespread. I had like the same nurse who was like the only person in there all by myself in the hospital with no family who was like taking pictures of every part of my body and swabbing me. She saw and reached back out 12 years later. I had women who messaged me saying that like they ran on the trail that day and ran into the police tape. Like after I had been attacked, (gasps) I've had police officers wife message me that like their husbands were the ones who had their sniper guns on him. Like it's been crazy like full circle like people that I never knew were part of the story all of a sudden in the past four weeks like it's not my story anymore like it's our story like there's so many more people involved and it's been so special to get to meet those and just today like I got to see the guy who like as I'm coming out of my attack and I'm running to this police officer he's hugging me and holding me and I'm hysterical and he's saying you're safe you're safe I got to see him again you know, for the first time in 13 years today. And it was, there was a lot of tears. It was a really cool experience. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you got that moment and how cool that you're getting to thank all these people and, yeah, and reconnect after sharing. Like that's the cool part of Instagram. You know, one of the coolest parts of Instagram that we can reconnect with people who we wouldn't otherwise be able to find. Exactly. It's so cool. And they were saying like, they never usually get to see the good outcomes of these, like mm-hmm. they get to see women 12 years later who have used their story to help other women. And so they, they were just like, we were so happy that you were doing so well. Like that story really impacted us. It was a really big event in a small town at the time. Yeah. And so they were like, just to be able to see you again and see that you were healthy and happy. Like they were really grateful for that moment too. Yes, 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 yes. That's beautiful. So this happens to you and you decide to make a change. You obviously had some self-defense experience long ago, like when you were 12, and you decided to to take that and get yourself educated and educate and empower other women. So can you tell me about SAFE, what that stands for and what it's all about? Yeah. So SAFE by Robin is my online self-protection and awareness course. It stands for 
self-defense, awareness, fighting techniques, and empowerment. And it's 18 short videos. It's geared for girls and women 11 and up. I love when moms take it with their kids because I think it has really great opportunities to talk with your kids about some of these topics that are hard to bring up. And it goes over everything safety. So everything from running safety, all the way to car safety, home safety, babysitter safety, how to teach your kids about safety, tips with coping with anxiety. It has, it's kind of like the whole spectrum of safety. It's like a safety crash course. And it's been really awesome. And what's funny is I was traveling all over um, speaking about, you know, self-defense and giving presentations on self-defense. And I finally was like, I've got to find a way that I can reach more people. And so I was like, I'm going to come up with an online course. And this was right before COVID happened. And so I launched it like a month before the world shut down, which was crazy because then every opportunity that I had to speak in person, it all got canceled. Yeah. So it was a way for people to still learn from home. And so that's been really a really awesome resource. Really awesome. Oh my gosh. No kidding. I mean, I remember I'm kind of same as you. I took a self-defense class when I was young as well. And I would love a refresher. And until I heard your story, it had come up every so often, like in conversation or if something happened, uh, we had a woman locally who was attacked. And I think people were, because I live in a pretty small town. So when we were told about that, you know, I think people started to talk about it again, but I had never heard to date of anything online. I felt like it was always at a karate studio or, or something like that, um, or a dance studio. So I think it's, I think it's genius. And you're right about educating our daughters. It's so important. Yeah, it's really important to educate our kids. And I feel like a lot of uh, self-defense actually begins long before you're ever even in contact with someone. Mm. So there's so much you can be doing before you ever actually need to use tactical moves to like defend yourself. And so there's a lot that you can learn in just lecture form, just like watching these videos. And I do have a whole module on like actual techniques on like how to clasp a windpipe, how to gouge an eye out, how to break a nose, like all those things. But the bulk of it is like just stuff that you can listen with your daughters and it's super informational. And I'm, I have, you know, four little kids and I owned a dance studio with thousands of young girls coming through my studio. And I, I just, I'm so passionate about making sure that we're teaching these girls about everything, consent, when to say no, that it's okay to say no. What is date rape, you know, like as a kid, I didn't even know the terms. Like I didn't even know what like rape meant. All right. Like my, we have those conversations, me and my mom. And so the course is really good. And I've had a lot of moms say, I've tried to talk to my kids, but like having you say it like was more impactful or I never was taught this. So I don't know how to teach my kids. Mm -hmm. So your advice helped me open up these conversations or other moms who are like, listen, I am so so this is not my wheelhouse. I'm so scared to talk about this. So just me and my daughter watching it, I just asked her, hey, do you have any questions? And then we were able to start a conversation about it. You mentioned that there are things that we can do before an attack even is a possibility. What are a few of those things that we can do to prepare? Yeah, so 
there are so many things I could go off for hours, but the first thing is just be aware. So some of the law enforcement that I get to work with, they get to panel up at our, at the Utah prison and talk to like the, the guys and the women who have just done the most heinous crimes, murder, sexual assault, rape. And they ask like, what are you looking for in a victim? And the most common themes are we are looking for someone who doesn't look like they're confident and they won't fight back. So girls and women who are walking around distracted on their cell phones, you just, you're making yourself a target. When you're looking at the ground and your shoulders are down, you're making yourself a target. You need to walk tall. You need to have your phone down. You need to look around. If someone's giving you the creeps or someone is following you, you look at them in the eyes and you say, stop, you're following me. You need to be assertive because that comes across as really powerful. Not only do you look powerful and do you look like you're going to fight back, but you just took away the element of surprise. You have seen them now. And a lot of people who are committing these crimes, it's because it's windows of opportunity. Mm. It can be premeditated, but they're like, oh, I just see a girl walking alone in a dark parking lot. Opportunity. But if you take away that element of surprise, you're less of a target. They don't want to be seen. They don't want you to point them out in a lineup a couple weeks later. Um, so just being really aware, like know where you're going. I always talk about awareness. There's five levels of awareness. And I kind of talk to it. I relate it to like, a stick shift. So like you just stay in in neutral. We don't want you to be like level five anxious all the time, but when you're doing certain things, you need to upshift. Like when you're going out at 5 a.m. to take your trash to the curb, you need to upshift. You need to look around, be aware. And then when you get back in your house, come back down to a neutral state. Hmm. When you're walking out from the mall, a teenage girl who's working there and she's walking to her car, she needs to elevate her awareness be aware, be on top of it. And then when she can get back in her car and she's safe, she can come back down. Like we don't, you don't need to live in this state of fear and anxiety all the time, but there are certain situations where you are more vulnerable. So you need to be heightening your awareness. Um, there's lots of things you can do while you're running or hiking or walking alone. Carrying pepper spray is something that I really promote for women. I think every woman should own pepper spray. You haven't outgrown the buddy system. I haven't outgrown the buddy system. Yeah. So you try to go with someone. If you can't, then you do need to take a few extra steps. If you're going running, hiking, or walking alone, then you need to tell someone, whether it's a spouse, a roommate, a family member, exactly where you're going and exactly when you're going to be home. Hey, Trista, I'm going to run three miles. That'll take me 30 minutes. I'm going around ABC. I'll be back at 2.30. So when 2.30 comes, Trista can check in on me. And then we can say, oh, I'm going to be home or what if I'm not okay? Then it's not 2.30, three o'clock and I'm in the back of a van, yeah, you know? Yeah. So there's just being really responsible. Don't take the same routes when you're running and just be really aware that you're not the exception to the rule. So just knowing that things can happen and like you aren't the exception to any rule. I'm a professional runner. I'm a mom. I'm 40 years old. I live in the safest town. That doesn't matter. This is happening everywhere. This doesn't discriminate. And so if you have the mindset of like, you are the exception to the rule, you are actually making yourself more vulnerable because you're not going to be aware. You're not going to ever think it can happen to you. And so those are a couple of things. I have a lot of tips on teaching our kids. And one of the big ones is we need to stop teaching stranger danger mm. and start teaching tricky people because it is more likely that your child will be molested or abused in your trusted circle of friends, a family member, a close friend, and that's not a stranger. Mm -hmm. So your kid might not come to you saying, hey, you know, 
my uncle did this because they know that person. They love that person. So we teach, I teach my kids, tricky people, a tricky person can be someone that we do know Hmm. a tricky person, uncle, a tricky person could be a stranger that you've never seen. But what a tricky person does is they try to take you away from mom and dad. They try to tell you to keep a secret. They touch you inappropriately. They give you bad feelings, all these different things. So if it happens, which it's more likely to be someone they know, a stranger, I mean, when you think of a stranger, you think of like someone you've never seen, a creepy man, like yeah. a homeless person, like, but it's more likely it's going to be like a family member that they love and trust. And so just kind of reteaching our, how we teach our kids is really important. Oh my gosh. Yes. No kidding. I think that's all, I, you know, you say stranger danger and I agree. Like I've always wondered as a mom, if I should be teaching my kids to stay away from people. Like, I don't know if you ever saw, but there was, I can't remember who did it, but they did a bunch of videos. And one of them was a guy in a park went up to a kid and he had a puppy. And he walks up to the little kid and he's like, hey, you want to pet my puppy? And they're like, of course, like, ah, you know, so excited about the puppy. And the guy's like, you want to come see the other ones? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they walk away hand in hand, you know, like that to me is stranger danger that I want to tell my kids about because, you know, that's very something very easy to happen. And then there was another one where they had an ice cream truck and they had the kid come up and order. And they're like, do you want to come pick it out yourself? And they had him come in the truck and then they drive away with the kid. Like, isn't that, it terrifies me, terrifies me, even though my kids are a little bit older, you know, Mm -hmm. gosh, being a, being a mother is a scary place sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and we absolutely, we still have those conversations with our kids. Like, you know, an adult should never ask you for help. They don't need your help finding their puppy. They don't need you to help find the house. Like an adult should never, especially when you don't know. And so you have those, but we also need to include like a tricky person is actually someone we know and love. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's really tricky is because you're, it doesn't make sense why they would be doing this. Right. Yes. Hey guys. So this is just a reminder that this episode is to be continued. There was so much information that I wanted to share. I didn't want to cut her episode short and we could not stop talking. So I decided to cut it into two episodes, as I mentioned in the intro and Hope that you'll tune in next week for the continuation of my talk with Robin Warner. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you feel a little better after having listened. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you're enjoying our show, please send it to a friend and put a little better into their lives. Also, if you would like to find me, you can go to Instagram at Trista Sutter or Facebook at Trista Sutter fan page. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.